Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Well, good morning again, Tony. How are you doing today? Hey, good morning, Papa Dude. I'm doing good. Haven't seen you since, uh, I think, Las Vegas was the last time we were together. Yeah, that was great. We had a good time out there at the uh, NFM&T show, and a great crowd, and uh, a great event, so it was good to be together with you out there. Yeah, definitely. We talked to a lot of great people, um, you know, just had a good time. Good. Yep, it was great. Uh, and uh, didn't come back uh, too much poorer, so uh, I'm all good for the uh, good to go here. Uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about how we get buy-in uh, from upper management. This has always been kind of a, an issue with facility managers of communicating with the C-suite or their financial people. And so just wanted to share some ideas about how we do that. Uh, any thoughts on that, Tony, about uh, your experience? Oh, lots of different thoughts. I know... Um... One of the things that, that we'll probably talk a little bit about, uh, creating a, a common language. You know, um, When we as facility managers go and talk to our, our C-suite, our, our city managers, county managers, or whoever's running that facility, being able to uh, speak in their language. Yeah, I think for so long we've uh, only had one language, and uh, we've not taken the time to really understand, first of all, uh, the roles of the people that uh, either are creating the, the finances for our department to work in, that uh, oversee the areas, have full responsibility. And so we, uh, we often over, overlook what their needs are. We uh, try to go in and communicate in a language that we know, but so often we haven't sat down and we haven't taken the opportunity to just go sit down with the, the uh, CFO or the COO or the CEO and say, what is it that you would really like to understand from me as a facility manager? What are the things that are important to you, and how can I present that information to you in a meaningful way that will help you understand what we do in facilities a little better? Right, or how, how can I help you do your job better? Exactly. Oftentimes we think uh, uh, of the um, CFO as just the bean counter, but uh, they have a tough job to do and uh, have a lot of responsibility to try to keep uh, from with, with a limited amount of money and uh, a lot of work to do that they have a lot of decisions to make. And so I think one of the things that we can really help them with is just to understand what we do and the requirements that we have. Yeah, ultimately we're all on the same team and, and we all have the same goal. So we just need to go in and sit down with them and say, you know, what kind of language should I speak to you? What's the things that, we're, that you would like to know, that you'd like to hear about, that are important to you to make decisions about how we spend money uh, in our organization? Yeah, I definitely think that's, um, that's going to be key and getting buy-in from, uh, from upper management. You know, I think one of the things also is that we uh, have, have failed to really lay out the requirements of our job, what we really have responsibility for. We think they know, but oftentimes they don't. Uh, let's just take, for instance, the uh, life safety code. You know, NFPA uh, 101 is one of the codes that uh, really dictate how we comply with the life safety things in our buildings like emergency exit signs and lighting and fire extinguishers. And there's preset uh, requirements that we have to follow as far as inspecting those lights, the frequency of it. Every 30 days they have to be looked at and inspected, and annually they have to go through a thorough inspection. And we know it's not sexy work. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's things that you just but have to be done. You have to document it. You have to show that you've been out and tested them. And so a lot of times our folks just assume that they work and hope that they work and hope that there's not an event 
that would happen that would require their need. But if there is, they have to work properly. Yeah, and, and typically those are the kinds of things that go unseen. You know, we're doing our jobs and we're making sure those things are taken care of, um, but a lot of times folks don't actually see us doing that work. And like you mentioned, they just assume uh, that everything's going to work the way that it's supposed to without realizing what it takes to make sure that it's going to be ready to go when we need it. Also, there's a lot of things around training that we're required to do uh, with our folks. You know, OSHA uh, requires us to have special training for lots of different things. If we're going to go out and work on equipment, we have to lock it out and tag it out. That's a training requirement. If we put people out with lawnmowers or chainsaws, we have to train them, and we have to be responsible about that. And that all, all takes time and, and money and resources to do that. And I think it's important that we learn how to communicate those things to the C-suite so they really understand that we're trying to protect them, we're trying to protect uh, our employees, we're trying to protect the public that's around uh, where we work so that uh, uh, we just have a good environment for, for all of our people to work in. You know, you mentioned the training, and, and that really ties back to even um, risk management. That's something they think about often. And, and even using those words instead of just training or tying it together for your sweet, uh, C-suite folks um, will help them understand the importance of it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if we can tie some things like what would uh, it cost if a citizen came into our courthouse, tripped and fell, uh, because we hadn't maintained something. There was a, a crack in the, in the walk or there was a, something in place that caused them to trip that shouldn't have been there because we failed to do our job. And uh, then we didn't have the resources to do it. Put those terms in dollars and cents and what that impact could be to the town or the organization or the, the uh, institution. And it makes a big difference in their listening ability to us. Yeah. Uh, we, we often want to just say, well, we need to fix a bad walk that's, that's cracked and, and heaved, but we fail to really say why. Right. Suddenly we become more valuable. Exactly. And, and the things that we're saying become, uh, they're taken more seriously. Yeah. You know, I, I like to uh, uh, bring into the organization something that we refer to as a service level agreement. Uh, this is used a lot of times in the contractor world, such as a cleaning contractor when you hire a cleaning contractor, they'll come in with a service level agreement that says, I'll empty the trash three times a week, I'll vacuum twice a week, I'll wash the windows three times a year, things like that. And so it's real clear about what your expectations are and what you're paying for. I like to do the same thing with my boss, saying, here are the things that are required for us to do. Here are the life safety things that are required. Here's the number of hours that it's going to take to do that. If you want me to preserve these facilities in the way uh, that uh, is meaningful to the people that use these buildings, then I need to have good uh, lighting in the building. I need to have good uh, HVAC in the building. I need to create an environment that's safe for people that are working in the building and that visit the building. And here are the things that we need to do, and here are the hours that it's required to do. And let's sign off on this. Let's, let me help you understand what we have to do, and let's sign off on these things so that you know and I know uh, what is really needed to do that. I think a large part of uh, what you just said showed also how good of a leader and manager you were for the team, understanding the actual number of hours that it takes to complete those things. Uh, so you knew that you had the resources you need to uh, provide a safe environment uh, for in those facilities. 
Yeah, and it's not easy. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to put this together. Uh, a lot of times we're we're putting out fires every day, and we just think, I just can't find the time. I know I want to do it, but I just can't find the time. But we just need to kind of buckle down and start from somewhere. If nothing more than putting a plan together of what it would take to do all of your life safety inspections. I speak to a lot of people around the country, and almost every time I ask the question, do you know that you're supposed to be inspecting your exit lights, your emergency lights, and your fire extinguishers once a month? And almost invariably, every hand goes up. And then when I ask them um, how many are actually doing it, out of a crowd of 30 or 40 uh, facility managers, maybe only four or five hands go up. And I ask, why is it that the rest of you aren't doing it? And uh, a lot of times it comes down to, I just don't have the manpower. And manpower has been pulled to do other things. And so when we have opportunities that often are called upon us to do, they're outside of our level of work that we're supposed to be doing as maintenance people because we have trucks we're asked to go pick up tables and chairs for this party tomorrow Um, and if you have that excess labor that's fine but most of our organizations today don't and so you go back to your you go back to your boss you go back to the cfo and say you know i'd love to pick up all these tables and chairs for this uh thanksgiving party that's coming up but you know i don't have the resources to do that right and that's a part of your service level agreement as well, right? Helping them understand uh, why they can't do those things. Or if they do, what's the impact on the life safety, uh, you know, PMs or things that, you're, that your team's not going to be able to complete? Exactly. And then, and then at the end of the year, you can have the conversation, well, I didn't get all these inspections done because you asked me to, to do this instead. I came to you and said, this isn't part of our service level agreement, but you asked me to do it. You approved me to do it. So I didn't get these things done. So there could be a price to pay down the road for making that decision. Most definitely. And I, and I think a couple, of, a couple of points to make, too. We just talked about setting expectations for the team. Um, so now we created a picture and helped our, our C-suite folks understand why we need what we need. So now they might have a better understanding of what our workload is. And, again, we set expectations for what we need to complete. And you know, if they pull us off task, what happens? Exactly. And so, I, but again, it's trying to understand their language, what's important to them, what implication. Do you know if we don't do all these inspections and we have a fire and the lights don't work or the people can't see the exits, there's a risk of us being fined for that. Uh, if somebody were to, to end up being uh, killed in an incident, um, it would be horrifying to all of us. And aside from the human aspect of it, then there might be a huge lawsuit and more likely would. And if it was found out that we weren't doing that, uh, doing what we were supposed to, then it could come back to us as being liable and, and cost us lots of money. It, it's definitely, eventually it's going to, eventually it'll come back on you. Yeah. I know I've talked with folks who haven't had their elevators inspected in three years or they've not done their fire extinguisher checks or uh, even their sprinkler checks right. in, in over two, two years. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before, uh, you know, a bad scenario occurs. And I think you can, you can uh, kind of relate it, particularly if you're talking to a finance guy about what would you do if you had an audit and things weren't complete in your audit, in your financial audit? What's the implications yeah. of, of that? And you kind of bring it back to some of their language that they understand uh, to help them, but a lot of it, it takes some effort on our part to learn to sit down with a, 
uh, a financial guy to sit down with the, the executive officers and say, what is important? What kind of language? What do you want to hear from me? I'm going to tell you the things that are required, and I'm, I'm going to try to help build a trust and a, an expectation that I'm the facility expert. And when I come to you, I want to be viewed as a, an advisor to you of how to keep you out of trouble from a facility standpoint, from a safety standpoint. I want to be looked at as an advisor of when I bring you data that uh, it's validated, it's, it's presented to you in a way that you can understand it and that it's important to you. I know um, Ian Hill, he's a, a speaker for the APWA. I've seen him speak several times at, at several conferences I went to. And one of the things he's talked about is just sitting down and having cups of coffee with the leaders in the organization uh, to understand, you know, what their goals are and to understand what motivates them. Uh, so when you do have a need, you're able to speak their language because now you've sort of built a relationship. You care about what's important to them, and they're going to care about what's important to you. You know, I had an, uh, an experience one time where I talked with a, a school board member. We had a new school board member come online, and uh, I knew that this person had been a firefighter at one time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to describe to her some of the things that we were doing as a department that were kind of unique and different. And I, uh, I, I put together a presentation, and I talked to her about uh, infrared scanning. And I knew that she would understand that as having been a firefighter. Oh, wow. And when I presented that to her, it was like, wow, you know, this is really neat. I know what that's about. We used to use one of those in the fire department. And so I was creating that language, and it really built a lot of trust uh, between us because then she knew I knew what I was doing, that I was using technology, that uh, we were able to communicate on a, on a kind of a different level. Right. And uh, then... She then often came to me and asked questions about things because she felt like I uh, knew what I was talking about and that I would get, shoot straight to her. Right, and ultimately all you, all you did was connect the dots for her. Exactly. And helped her to understand. Exactly. In her own language. And uh, So I think you know, as, as we can uh, understand and as we can help lead our C-suite, it's only going to benefit us. And you know, I kind of do these things... Uh, from a, uh, a little bit of a selfish motivation in that I have a job to do and I wanted to do it well. I want to have the resources to do it with. And in order to do that, I have to invest some time. I have to invest in a different language. I have to understand the language of finance. Somebody asked me not long ago what was the biggest thing in my career that has changed uh, since I've been in facility management for the last 35 years. And I said, I think one of the things was understanding finances because it has become such a key role in the facility managers world uh, we're talking large dollars we're talking large investments we're talking things that people typically don't want to invest in because it's an air handler in a room that nobody sees but everybody feels the effect of it right and uh, so trying to understand and articulate it in a way that financial people can understand it and what the impact is if we don't do it. What are the impacts if we don't have uh, good HVAC and good ventilation in a building? What impact does it take uh, if we have an outbreak of mold in a building, for instance, and what that could cost in remediation and cleanup? And, uh, but I, uh, to be fair to, uh, uh, to the finance guys, I think a lot of times, again, we haven't invested the time 
as facility managers to really sit down with them, have that cup of coffee. They, they have a job to do just like we do. They want to do their job well. We want to do our job well, and uh, we need to communicate. Have that cup of coffee. Go to the cafeteria. Go to the break room. Yeah. Say, let's, let's get together for a cup of coffee. And sometimes it doesn't even need to be a planned meeting for, with an outcome, you know, just to get to know the person uh, and be, develop that trust level between the two. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're you're both people, and and you know that's what uh, makes things work—the relationship that you have. And uh, you know, it's not just a selfish motivation; it's to for the better improvement of the organization. Exactly. Yeah. And and the outcome is really whomever we're serving, whether it's in a healthcare environment uh, where we're trying to get people better, healthy, out back in their active lives, whether we're in a community where we're trying to service our constituents in the community by providing a good place for good recreation and we can drive around and see things and they see things happening and feel good about we've had an important part of that activity what our organization is all about we gotta we're involved with a nice club and people come in and and use the facilities and you see them there enjoying the things and, and just enjoying what it's all about taking pride in what you do yeah so Tony, I'm uh, really happy to be able to have this discussion with you today, and uh, we look forward to our next discussion next week. And uh, I think we've got some going to drill down even to the opposite end of, the, of our conversation today of how we talk about talk about it with the people that work for us. That's right. So this was just part one. We're going to talk part two um, how we how we talk to the folks who are on our team and and, and help them to take pride in the work that they do and, and contribute to uh, the overall goal of the organization. Well, very good, and uh, I look forward to seeing you. It'll be great. Have a great week, Bob. You too. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.